Back in the day, I used to present a radio show on Yukon's Pugs Radio, and it was absolutely brilliant. Even though I'm not coming back to present the show for another series, what we thought we'd do is reissue all of the rip ticket shows that went out with me at the helm here on Talking Smith About Film, giving you lots of reviews that you've probably never heard before. Cornell, you know my name. This is Pulse Radio. Think of that as like our little pre-title sequence, so to speak. Because it is Friday, we are live, and, well, I forgot to play our opening jingle. So let's have that opening jingle. Coming to you live on a Friday... It's time for the Rip Ticket Show, your guide to what deserves an Oscar win and what you'll find in the bargain bin. So let's get this show on the road. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to the Rip Ticket Show on Pulse Radio. My name is Jack Smith. Absolute pleasure to have your company for the next hour. We've got quite a lot to get through this afternoon. We've got two films to review for you all. We've got... At the review of the brand new UK box office number one, which will be spoiler-free for those of you who are very worried. We've also got uh, a review of a film that came out on Wednesday, and I may or may not be ranting about it in a few minutes' time. Get ready, folks. Uh, it's been a packed week for films. There's been a lot out. There's been a lot uh, in terms of box office, and again, we'll be addressing that in, a little, in our little news rundown later, and we're going to be having a bit of discussion about what the big films going into November are going to, uh, going into no- the end of November and start December. As you can tell, I'm a little bit tired, I'm a little bit weary, so this is going to be an interesting show for both you and me, listeners. Let's see if we can make it to two o'clock together, but we have to get on with the programme now and we've got to get straight on with our first review. It is no secret that studios are wanting to retell these big epic medieval stories they tried with king arthur legend of the sword last year to quite mix success and Lionsgate um have decided oh well why don't we give robin hood another go so again this help of a kingsman and this help of an oscar winner and they they tried they really did try but is it good let's have a listen to the trailer for the new robin hood you were a lord, but now you get to be a thief. And I'm going to show you how. Shoot me. Please. You have to be a warrior. Fast as you can. Faster. Uh, what are you doing to my coat? actually get to, you know, steal. What else you got? There's been whispers of a thief. I'm the law and order here. Any talk of the thief, bring it to me. One thing keeps him in power. The money, we steal it. 
want to hit the treasury itself. Set up a meeting. Everyone is with us. This is our shot. Here's the plan. This is an inside job. You are a lord. You're close with the sheriff. Who do you think the thief is? Clearly he's well trained. Adaptable under fire. You'll get him eventually. Our plan is working. Now we see who bites. Remind them they're not the people, they're my subjects. This is suicide. Can't you see what you're doing? You inspire the people. A thousand pounds for the man who brings me on! We're all suspects now. If we get caught, they will kill us all. Really inspiring. Thanks. Robin of Luxley anymore. You're Robin Hood. So as you can probably tell from that trailer, they really have tried to modernise it, and this is the beginning of the film's problems to kind of uh, read the hypnosis verbatim for the IMDb page, because that is kind of the best way to describe this film. You'll understand why in a minute. A war-hardened crusader and his Moorish commander managed an audacious revolt against the corrupt English crown in a thrilling action adventure packed with gritty battlefield exploits, mind-blowing fight choreography, and a timeless romance. Okay, it's, 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 it's a film, all right. It is definitely a film. And it has its issues. But I, I'm going to set up the clip, then I'm going to go into detail. I might have a certain bed of music queued ready to go for this. So, to set up the clip, uh, you heard a bit of it in the trailer. This is a scene where Robin Hood, which is Taron Egerton, and Little John, Jamie Foxx, um, where Little John is getting Robin, tra- uh, getting Robin trained for life as a thief. Here's a clip. I can fire two arrows a second. Yeah. You could fire two arrows a second. You think you're faster? Shoot me. Beg your pardon? You've killed hundreds of us. What's one more? Okay. Please. I said shoot me. Too slow. As you can. Again. Come on, English. Okay. So, yeah, that clip is was one of the more enjoyable pieces this film, ladies and gentlemen. I have to say, thrilling action adventure, mind blowing choreography. I call absolute tosh. It, it's, it was anticipated to be an awful film, and boy howdy, do we have quite a horrific piece of filmmaking, and I'll be ranting about that in a few minutes. But we've got to look at this critically. We've got to judge it on filmmaking merit. That's what we do here on the Rip Ticket Show. It's directed by a guy called Otto Bathurst. Um, he's best known for helming an episode of Black Mirror. An infamous episode of Black Mirror at that. I can't really explain why it's infamous on daytime radio, but all I need to say is the words Prime Minister P. 
pig. You'll know what I mean. Um, considering this is his first feature film, this is an absolute mess. It is... It, oh, it literally tells you to forget history. Uh, that is... That's the most dumb and stupid thing you can ever see a film doing. The pacing is all over the shop. It's a one hour 56 minute film. It's a one hour 56 minute film and it it really did drag. It really did drag on. And this is one of the things with the script... Uh, this is one of the problems I have with the script as well. It's written by uh, Ben Chandler and David, uh, David James Kelly. It plays to the archetypes so much that you, you don't want to see anything new. It's, there's nothing new. We've seen this time after time after time after time. It, 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 the cinematography production is like, I can, I can understand why this film wanted to be made. It has... It's a mick take, basically. It's literally just come to me. It's a mick take. And Mick Takes kind of deserve the full Lee Jack Smith rant treatment. Hit the music, folks. It's not the best film at all. You've got all of this going on. And add to that performances. It's Taron Egerton, the guy who plays Eggsy in Kingsman, the guy who'll be playing Elton John in Rocketman when it comes out in March. He's just playing ye olde Kingsman in this film. There are scenes in this film that look like they've been directly lifted out of Matthew Vaughan's 2015 pretty decent spy film. But they've just modernised it. You've got these ridiculous key things like machine gun archery and arrows in the form of bazookas. This is a film that kind of takes elements of modern warfare, applies them unsuccessfully to something that has been done to death, I mean, by Disney, by all these different filmmakers, even even in 2010, the Russell, Russell Crowe one. That was all right at best. But you've got Taron Egerton as this pretty capable Robin Hood. He's not good, he's not bad. You can tell he shoehorned this in between filming Golden Circle. But he's not quite good enough considering the standard of his working past. You've got Jamie Foxx, who is, is okay. Nothing more, nothing less. You've got Eve Hewson, Bono's daughter... Yes, Bono's daughter playing an Irish maid, Marion, who is perfectly made up, who's dressed exquisitely for the whole film. When you think, how can this continuity error get through something like this? I was sat there on Wednesday watching this film, expecting to be sat in the studio ranting about it. And that tells you everything you need to know about this film. It is ridiculously dumb. I would tell you about one scene that really dumbfounded belief. I've been chatting about this with a variety of people at a certain multiplex cinema in Preston. Hello if you're listening. I was chatting about this with them. And there are scenes in this film that defy all logic in terms of history and science. I was legitimately sat there thinking, how? This is this should have just been made for TV. This really should have been made for TV. Let me finish up the cast. You've also got Jamie Dornan, who's, again, okay. I've seen him do better things on TV. You've got Ben Mendelsohn, pretty okay villain. Typecast again. And, oh, hang on, Tim Minchin? Musical comedian Tim Minchin playing Fry Tuck? This film is... I've, it's dumb, but it's enjoyable. It is very enjoyable if you don't take it seriously. It accidentally passed my industry standard six laugh test, which tells you everything you need to know. It's so bad, it's good. The rest of this cast have got some killer projects lined up, and 
to give you another idea as to how Lionsgate were touting this film, a certain Leonardo DiCaprio gets a producer credit on this film. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Leo DiCaprio produced another one of one of the worst films of the year. And that kind of makes me a little bit angry, folks. This film will tank. It definitely will tank. I mean, there were only like four or five people in my showing on Wednesday. But in all honesty, I do not see this film getting that big of an audience going into the next couple of weeks. You've got Fantastic Beasts, which is still playing. You've got all sorts of kids' Christmas films coming out. But I cannot fathom how this film ended up in cinemas. If you want to watch it good, go ahead and do so. But in all honesty, and from again, from the top of my heart, I can safely say that this film... You should just wait for the DVD. Yeah, this is a film I can really rip into, and I was saving the brutal stuff, because there's only so much you can say on daytime radio, and there's only so much you can say without giving a a, good... big de- details of this film away. I was honestly dumbfounded. You've got a cast who could have been better. You've got direct- directors who are a little bit more capable in other projects. You've got a script that has got so many problems. And just the general tone of the film, this is basically King Arthur 2.0. And when a friend of mine seen it last night, he pretty much agreed with me that this film is one of the most interesting in terms of what's on offer uh, to, to customers and I I, I, I I can say if you want to watch this film wait for the DVD because there, there is a lot better things to be watching and of course every cinema in the land right now are going to be playing Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them uh, which we will be reviewing in about four or five minutes from now because we've got to get some music on. That's what we do here on the Rip Ticket Show. We talk films, we play music, and we keep you company for an hour uh, to get get your weekend of big screen entertainment going, as we like to joke behind the scenes. But I can safely say that for Taron Agerton, I suppose you could say his career is still standing after that. Hint, hint. <laughs> Come on, I have to do a lame link somewhere. This is Elton John, I'm Still Standing, from seeing this Rip Ticket Show on Pulse, and we will be back after this. Elton John, I'm still standing. This is Pulse Radio. It's the Rip Ticket Show. Good afternoon. Uh, so I, I needed to come down from that rant. Okay, I, I, I was holding it back, but when when a film infuriates me that much, I have to just vent to the sounds of the music from Barry Lyndon. I, ha- I have to. It, I just have to. So before we launch into Fantastic Beasts, it is um, it is time to do our little film news rundown for the week. There's been a lot going on. Uh, the big news is that last night we had our very first look at John Favreau's live ad- a live action reboot of The Lion King. Very impressed with that trailer. I have to admit, I had my fears about it, but. It looks really good. If you haven't already tracked it down, I think I'll be showing it on the Rip Ticket social media pages in a bit. But it was a good teaser, and it feels very much faithful to the to the original film and the stage show. And that is what a lot of us fans were hoping for. Margot Robbie has also announced uh, the full title for Birds of Prey, and it's going to be called Birds of Prey, and the fantastic emancipation of one Harley Quinn. 
I've got three letters written next to it on my notes. Three letters I can't say on daytime radio. But it's the most insane title I have seen on a film in some time. Imagine reading that on the st- um, certificate that comes on before the film. Birds praying for having a smile space with one Holly Quinn. Is it going to fit? I don't think it will. And I've seen a lot of them. I, Yeah. Bringing industry knowledge into this show before I do that. Uh, we've also had the final trailer for Aquaman. I've not actually seen it yet, and I'll be watching it um, in a, a later on today. Uh, but it, it all signs are looking to it being a much better output for DC, um, especially considering their track record of late. We, we don't, I don't even need to say Justice League. I don't even need to say Batman v Superman. Wonder Woman was the, was the one film that saved them. Uh, and of course. Uh, another bit of news came in last night. Sony have announced uh, two Marvel Universe films to be released in 2020. Rumours going around that one of them is going to be a sequel to Venom. I mean, thought Venom was okay, actually. It was It was not the best film. There have been worse. <coughs> no crack on the Four Realms. <coughs> uh, there have been worse films this year. There have been worse superhero films. Uh, but given the day and age of how Marvel are dominating with their MCU output, I can understand fans' concerns. Box office-wise, um, not much has really changed. Star is Born is still hanging around in the top five. Widow's still doing pretty okay business. If you haven't seen that film, go see it. I gave it a good review on the show a few weeks back. Bohemian Rhapsody is hanging around in third place. The Grinch has dropped to second place. So that tells you everything you need to know about how the state of play is at the minute. Everywhere is playing the brand new UK box office number one. And that brand new box office number one. Well, I don't even need to say it, because we are about to review this film. So, your brand new UK box office number one, unsurprisingly, is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm going to preface this review right now, and I'm going to say, if you don't want any details about the film spoiled, to turn off the show for a couple of minutes. Switch your volume off. Because we will be subtly addressing the plot, and if you do want to go in not knowing anything about the film and you want to see it dry, just just divert your attention for a few minutes, because we are going to be playing a clip from the film, and if you don't want to hear anything, that's the best advice we can give. So, Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. Sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's a film that I may or may not, again, have issue with. So let's just go on straight into this. This is the trailer. This is, this is safe. This is all good. Let's do this. An address. What's that? A safe house in Paris. Why would I need a safe house in Paris? Should things at some point go terribly wrong, it's good to have a place to go. You know, for a cup of tea. My brothers... My sisters, the clock is ticking faster. My dream, we who live for truth, for love. The moment has come to take our rightful place in the world where we wizards were free. Join me. Die. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. 
Grindelwald wants to see that piece destroyed. You want me to hunt him down? To kill him? Why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. You don't suffer from motion sickness, see? I don't do well on boats. You'll be fine. Do you know why I admire you, Nick? You do not seek power. You simply ask, is the thing right? The time's coming when you're going to have to pick a side. No, I don't do sides. What are you going to do? I think it's something. Mute, you never met a monster you couldn't love. Let's take him. Your brother? I think that might have been the best moment of my life. So, we are going to be addressing bits of the plot. So, like I say, if you don't want to know anything about the film, fade, f- turn your volume off for the next couple of minutes. So, to give you an idea of what the film's about, uh, when rumour has it that G- 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 Grindelwald is heading to Paris, a young Albus Dumbledore enlists to help a former student, Newt's commander. Uh, to stand against one of the most dangerous wizards of all time. So again, it's a classic paint-by-numbers Harry Potter plot, which fans are going to get quite a lot of enjoyment out of. And believe me, I was chatting with one last night uh, who's seen the film and enjoyed it as a fan. Uh, so to give you an idea of... Uh, to give you a flavour of the film, this is the, the scene where Dumbledore and Scamander actually meet for the first time. This has been released as a clip. Again, if you do not want to hear anything from the film, fade... Turn your volume down for about 44 seconds. Because uh, all I need to say is here's a clip. Why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. Well, I can't blame you. In your shoes, I'd probably refuse to. But what? It's late. Good evening, Newt. Wait, no. Oh, come on. Dumbledore. So, you can get an idea. This is another cliched Harry Potter film, and I know we've had seven of them. We've had Fantastic Beasts 1 in 2016, and it's the same core team who've come back to direct. You've got David Yates directing to a script from J.K. Rowling herself. Every film Yates does, he gets a better idea of how to actually pace, a, pace it pretty well. But unfortunately, lightning doesn't strike the scar twice. I'm quite proud of that line. Uh, lightning doesn't strike twice. It's not as good as the original, without without shadow of a doubt. This latest uh, this latest round is just you can tell they're setting up for sequel after sequel after sequel. Of course, uh, Yates does a semi decent job of juggling CG set pieces, which again they're bigger, they're bolder, they're brighter. Uh, there's there's a good balance of CG to live action. 
uh, and it's two hour, two hours thirteen minutes of bang up plot progression. Well, more plot progression, really. Um, but this is a big issue I have. J.K. Rowling's script was definitely written to create sequel bait. We're getting five more of these films, according to a certain film magazine, and I can understand that. Yeah, it's just milking the cow, milking the content cow for more money. But it just feels like a big fat of nothingness. There are zero stakes. You don't really get a conclusive ending. I mean, there's a hell of a twist, which, again, if I said that twist, I would be lynch mobbed live on air because it's a big twist. It's a game changer. It's a game changer for, for big Potterheads. Um, but it, aside from the script and the direction, which are the two things I have the problem with, uh, the cinematography from Philippe Rousseau gets better on every film. A lot, a lot wider, a lot bigger, of course, moving the action from America to Europe helped them quite a bit. And, of course, James Newton Howard turns in a much more memorable score than he did on Nutcracker, which is a film I have ranted about to death on this show. I'm going to try and cut down on it. Uh, obviously, you have, again, main caster back, Eddie Redmayne. Can't fault him at all. He is. He can just put his all, put all of his power into every role that he does. You've got Catherine Waterston back as Tina. The kind of love interest. You, you even have Dan Fogler uh, back as, if I can remember the name of his character, because I'm not really that big of a Harry Potter fan. You've got Dan Fogler back as Jacob um, Jacob Kowalski, uh, the comic relief of the film, and he is he's pretty good in this. You get more plot, you know, you get a lot more character development. There is a lot more character development going on. There's a lot more plot development going on, and that is where the film kind of divided um, people. It did just shy of twelve million pounds UK box office, so it, it opened well. Distributors are happy, um, and of course, also I've also forgot you've got Jude Law in this film as young Dumbledore. You've got Johnny Depp. That's all I'm going to say. We've got Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Not good, not bad. But you've got Jude Law, you've got Zoe Kravitz, Cordia Kim, Cornell John. You've got a good cast. But the whole presence of Johnny Depp, given the controversy he's had over the last two years, he could be the deciding factor in as to whether this franchise lives or dies. The interesting thing is to see how it does at the box office this weekend because if it drops it's going to drop because uh, I one of my thi- one of the things I do outside of the programs I read the box office every Monday and I see what films are doing well what films aren't doing well I wouldn't be surprised if there's a big drop off this weekend it happened with the first Fantastic Beast film it'll happen again especially as as Grinch is coming out as all the Christmas films coming out I mean I know Nativity Free is uh, Nativity Rocks whatever it's called is out today and I know a lot of kids will be going off to watch that I won't be we won't be reviewing it on the show there are better films than that um but fans of the books are going to enjoy this. Fans of the source material will enjoy this. But casual cinema goers are going to properly struggle to get into the minutiae of this film. As a standalone piece of filmmaking, yes, I can understand it has its issues. In the wider Harry Potter universe, yes, totally understandable. Fits in with, with the continuity, fits in with the characters that we've seen so many times before. It's just whether Warner can continue the momentum going forward. It's another paint my numbers film. It's more exposition, and there, there are nothing of note aside from the performances. It, it feels like it should have been written as a book first, and then adapted to, to, to film. But I, I, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was in that middle ground. 
it was in that middle ground where you just know that oh, it, it's a good enough film for what it's meant to be. It's, it, I, again, I was I was going to say a brand name, but it's a it's a kind of patent job. It does what it says on the tin. Um, considering the amount of, war, of marketing Warners have done, uh, this could come back to sting them in the future. I mean, it's it's a financial success already. When it opens in China, it's because that's a big film market at the minute. When it opens in China, it will make its money back. I mean, it's on track to make its its money back, and that I know Warners will be happy about that. But as a cinema guy whose job it is to kind of critique films and rip them apart, I can safely say, I mean, it's worth a watch. It is definitely worth a watch. But if you aren't really that invested in the wider Harry Potter universe, then I can't really go that far as to say, look, it's a film you've got to do your research for, you've got to know the plot, you've got to know the characters well, and you've got to be emotionally invested in the seven films that have come beforehand. Obviously, it's been quite a few years on from Deathly Hallows and a lot of fans are still kind of upset over it I mean you've got the play going on at the minute you've got you've got the Fantastic Beasts it's not like you're without content but I can humbly say that this is a film that uh, might divide a few people for a few years so yeah Fantastic Beasts it's not good it's not bad but there is better there is a there are a lot better films to be seeing and speaking of films that are much better to be seeing, our TV movie of the week is incredible. Our TV movie of the week um, is really, really, really good. Uh, so every week I scour the free-to-air television listings to find a film that you should give a go over the, uh, over the next seven days. And this week, it's an absolute doozy. 14 Oscars to its name. It's Mad Max Fury Road. It's having its network premiere on Channel 5 this Sunday at 9 o'clock. It is a film and a half. Um, and it's a, it's, it was made for the big screen. I know watching it on TV isn't the ideal situation for this film. But it's on, it's on telly for the first time. It's on proper free-to-air telly for the first time. I'm probably going to be watching it on Sunday because I'm not seeing it for a while. But it is a film that you can just really get immersed in. And it's Tom Hardy. It's Tom Hardy. That's all I need to say. If you're a Tom Hardy fan and you haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road, get on it. It's one of his finest performances. I, When I found out it was going to be on telly this week, and I was like, wow, that's a big get. And these movies are going to get better and better as Christmas comes in. It's my favourite time of year as a film fan. All the good films are going to be on telly over the next couple of weeks. So, yes. Uh, so, TV Movie of the Week, Mad Max Fury Road, Sunday, 9 o'clock, Channel 5. I'll be putting all details out on the Twitter and Facebook pages, which, if you're not already aware, twitter.com forward slash ripped underscore ticket and facebook.com forward slash ripped ticket show. Big welcome to everyone listening from that page today. Hopefully I'm doing a good job in keeping Mr. Carver proud. Well, I know he is. I was chatting with him on Tuesday. He said he's really happy about the show is going. So, that is TV Movie of the Week done. We've got a couple of songs to play. Again, I'm going to welcome you to the world of one of the, one of the many articles I do for my blog outside the university. A feature I call The Projection Room. So we're going to have a bit of a chat about the big films coming out in the cinemas this December. But first, we're going to play something from Full Monty. Bit of hot chocolate, something I really, 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 really need right now. This is everyone's a winner from Full Monty. We will be back after this. Hot chocolate, everyone's a winner from the Full Monty. You are, of course, listening to the Rip Ticket Show on Pulse Radio. Uh, before we launch into our little look ahead to December, something that uh, Pulse have been 
really proud to get. Uh, next week is a celebration of all things Pulse Media. So if you're on the campus uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday in Harrington Social Space, um, a lot of the Pulse DJs will be there. Uh, you'll be able to win all sorts of things, including Domino's vouchers. There'll be games. There'll be music. There'll be prizes. There'll be the guys from Pop World will be there. Um, potentially more. So if you can, if you can come down, you can have a chat with us. And if you want to um, potentially get on to Pulse, um, a lot of the uh, administrative staff will be there as well. So it'll be worth a look if you're a media student here on campus because it's really good for the CV. This. Uh, now back to the serious film journalism stuff, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to start looking ahead to the end of the year. And believe me, there is a lot coming out. Um, of course, Wreck-It Ralph is coming out in America today, in the UK next week. We'll be reviewing that on December 7th's programme because we're not sure whether we're going to be on air next Friday or not. Long story. Uh, but there is a lot coming out. So much that I have my laptop here. So, yeah, I have my laptop. Oh, uh, I've got my laptop here, and I can run down the big releases, what, um, whether they're actually going to be good or not. Of course, we've got Creed, Ralph Breaks the Internet next week, uh, which, again, we'll be reviewing on December 7th. Uh, and out on December 7th itself, um, Robert Radford's final film, Sorry to Bother You, which I have seen already, and I will be reviewing on that show. It'll be a packed show, believe packed show, isn't it? Believe it or not. That's actually pretty good. I will say that much. Uh, you've also got... Uh, See, so yeah, Old Man of the Gun, Sorry to Bother You, which I think I'm seeing on Monday. It's one of those mystery film nights again. Um, and then on, then you got Aquaman and all these big films. Aquaman, very excited to see. Uh, as someone who's seen superhero films evolve over the years, hopefully DC can make this a combo breaker that they've kind of been wanting to make for many, many, many years now. But it's opening against Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is the new animated Spider-Man film. Uh, again, that has the potential to surprise. It really does. I am, I'm excited to see both of those films. Again, two days after that, Peter Jackson's new vehicle, Mortal Engines. Don't know what to say about that, really. Um, again, you've... we've got... Again, these next couple of weeks are insane. You've got Mary Poppins Returns on December 21st, so we'll be off air by then. Um, we'll be reviewing that on our first show back in January. Do not worry, everyone. Uh, and then you, to literally close the year out on Boxing Day, you have Bumblebee, which a lot of new trailers have been coming out over the last couple of days. Looks to be a Transformers film that people are actually going to enjoy with less explosions than the Michael Bay films that have come before. Having Not having him around might actually benefit this franchise long term and that is something I never thought I'd ever say I mean we all know how the critical reception to the first couple of Transformers films have been and I yeah they've been pretty dire but I honestly think Bumblebee could be the moment where Paramount realised oh so this is how we can make a good coherent film that doesn't rely on doesn't rely on the archetypes that come before and it feels more like the AC source material and that is again something that I've discussed quite at length uh, on the blog and here on the show in the past about how to adapt a film that is very loyal to the source material and I th- I think this could be one, this is shaping up to be an incredible end of year push I mean, this isn't even including the awards films, they don't come out until January, February, and when that when those films do come out, again we will be reviewing them, don't worry, we will be reviewing them, hopefully early as well um, but yeah, this is really shaping up to be a, a fantastic end of year it all begins next week I mean coming out this weekend um, the Russell Brothers new project Assassination Nation uh, Nativity Rocks is also out today 
Uh, I know there's a new Pokemon film out uh, at the weekend for guys interested. I, I Based on my discussions with the staff at two multiplex cinemas here in Preston, I'm not going to name the brands, um, that is on track to be a good big screen event. And I can, I can humbly say that for film fans across the country right now, you are spoiled for choice. There is so many things that you can potentially go out and watch. There are so many things that you can potentially go out and see and enjoy and... I, I can. This is a good. I, I literally cannot word it. This is a, a really good time for film fans and filmmakers. I mean, I I spent a lot of time yesterday with the film production students here on the campus, and I, I had a read. I, I got to sit in on a read through the, the script for the film that they're going to be making themselves. And the industry right now is it is in a good shape. The industry right now is in a good shape for, for you as customers, for us as critics, for, for cinema staff as well, for cinema managers. All the boxes are falling into place, all the ticks are being done to make this a successful end of year. And we don't even have a Star Wars film. We do not even have a Star Wars film to close the year. It all depends on how Mary Poppins does, which, again, could be like the greatest show, but word of mouth will continue making it uh, the film it's meant to be. Because... One of the things that have been a key talking point in my inner circle of friends is can Mary Poppins actually be a success knowing how people regard the original Julie Andrews film? It's got all the makings there. It'll be nice if if Julie Andrews pops up. I mean, we're getting Dick Van Dyke back in this film. Uh, You've got all of this building up. And 2018, I mean, I've seen 58 films this year now. Uh, 59 next, as of Monday. but it is shaping up to be a fantastic year. And this is this tells you everything you need to know. There's been that much going on. And again, you've got you've even got re-releases of films. I know once upon a Deadpool, the so-called PG thirteen cut of Deadpool, which is actually still gonna be a fifteen, by the way, folks. Um a PG thirteen cut Deadpool, that's gonna be shown on December eleventh. Uh, I think I might get down for that one, depends on what time it finishes. But there is a lot on offer, not just for film fans, not just for film lovers, but for people who haven't been in, into cinema for quite a few years. So, my, again, my humble advice to you all this weekend, go out, pick a film, watch it, and, and tell people, because that is ultimately where film lives and dies. It's all about group experience. And I've, I literally did a whole episode of my YouTube series about this, about cinema being a big group experience that's made out to be the best place to see a film. And theoretically, as someone who's studied this industry for many, many years now, it's on the rise again. I mean, you've got streaming services. That does remind me, uh, Alfonso Cuaron's new film is out on one of those streaming services next week. So if I can watch it early enough on Friday morning, we may have a show next week. Uh, But it is shaping up to be quite an interesting end of year push, if I say so myself. So... It is coming up on 48, oh, nearly 49 minutes uh, past one, 10 to 2, uh, for those of you who, who, don't, who are dealing Queen's English. Uh, so we've got 10 minutes left together, so I am going to start winding the show down, of course, because that is kind of what we have to do. So on my blog, uh, which I... Yeah, so on leejacksmith.com, which is my blog, which I run alongside doing the show every week for you all, on leejacksmith.com next week, we have... One of those mystery film nights. Uh, we think it's going to be sorry to bother you, so we're going to be doing a review on Monday. And whatever, you can also find text versions of all the reviews that we've done today. You can listen back to today's show. Uh, that'll be online just after 3 o'clock. Uh, you'll be able to listen back to all the shows that I've done. Uh, you can also find links to the social media pages for the programme. 
and they are of course twitter.com forward slash at ripped underscore ticket and facebook.com forward slash ripped ticket show you can find me personally on twitter at ejacksmith uh, you can also follow the Pulse on social media. Why not? Keeps you updated on all the shows on the, on the uh, Pulse network. We have quite a packed schedule nowadays. There's so much going on. I'm just looking at it. We've got something for everyone. We've got sport. We've got news. We've got football. We've got uh, shows to take you into the night. We've got Story com- Corner coming up later this evening, which is a pretty good show for those of you creative types. Uh, but yes, there is a lot going on on Pulse. There is a lot going on across the university, and there is a lot going on on EJackSmith.com, uh, of course. And we're not sure whether we're going to be doing the show next week, so keep checking the social media pages. I'll keep you all informed as to whether we're going to be on air or not. Uh, but of course, that is pretty much it for this week, unfortunately. Uh, again, obviously. We may be back next Friday from one o'clock. It all depends on what we can, what I can get around to seeing, whether I can fit it in with work and all that sort of thing. Uh, but, of course, the films will continue rolling in. Uh, I can definitely say, if we're not on air next week, we will be back on December the 7th to review Old Man and the Gun, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, maybe Creed, uh, maybe Sorry to Bother You, whatever it ends up being on Monday night, we will be reviewing on December 7th. So... It is shaping up to be an interesting two weeks of film ahead. So, what shall we play? What shall we play? I have a big decision to make, ladies and gentlemen, because I honestly do not know how to end the show today. Do I play Queen? Do I play Simple Minds? Do I play Violent Fans? Do I even play Whitney Houston? I honestly do not know. I think... Again, what shall I play? Uh, Let's just do a mix of both, shall we? Uh, For the time being, that is about it for this week's Rip Ticket Show. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back either next week or the week after that. But for now, my name's Jack Smith. You've been listening to Pulse Radio. We're going to close on Queen. But for now, we shall see you at the movies. That's just about it for this particular episode of the Rip Ticket Show. Join us next week for another visit into the archives. But until then, my name's been Jack Smith. This has been a little bonus episode of Talking Smith About Film. And until next week, we'll see you at the movies. (laughs) 